0: Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those at our South Campus and those watching online. I mean, what a week we've had. I mean, could you imagine so much drama packed into one week? How many of you stayed up past 11 o'clock on election night? Anybody? Okay. How about past midnight? Anybody? Okay. How about past 1 a.m.? Wow. How about anybody past 3 a.m.? Don't fall asleep during this message, okay? Don't fall asleep. It reminds me of the, the pastor that is known for preaching long-winded messages, and, and there was a guy in the church that would just fall asleep while he was preaching. And so this kind of unnerved the pastor, and so he got one of the deacons to, to get a stick and to kind of tap him on the shoulder every time he would nod off, and sure enough, you know, he nodded off, and the deacon tapped him on the shoulder, and he kind of jumped, and he, he focused again on the message, and then a few minutes later, he nodded off a little bit more, and, and the deacon kind of pushed him a little harder, and he woke him up, but I'm telling you, by the middle of the message, this guy had fallen into a deep, deep sleep, and so he tapped him. Nothing happened, so he finally just popped him really good. Hit him so hard, he fell out of the pew and onto the floor. He ran over to him and said, are you okay? He said, Hit me again, I can still hear that man preaching. (laughs) And so I just use that story to introduce our new sticks that we have for the deacons today. Uh, Well, today we're starting our brand new series called Thankful For. And it's during this time that often so many of us, we make lists or in our mind or maybe on paper of those things that we're thankful for. We're thankful for our family. We're thankful for our job. We're thankful for our church. We're we're thankful for just waking up today. We're thankful that 2020 is almost over. You know, thankfulness is more than a feeling, though, that you have one day a year or maybe one month for a Thanksgiving season. Genuine thankfulness is being appreciative of what you have been given. It is when you look back and you see what God has done for you, and and you simply give God credit for what he's done. In fact, it is God's will for you to give him thanks. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So today, I am sincerely thankful. I am thankful that we live in America. I am thankful for the opportunity that we have to vote. I am thankful that God is still in control after we have voted. I'm thankful that God is sovereign or God's sovereignty. Now, the word sovereign literally means to reign over all. To say that God is sovereign means that he is is the supreme ruler. He has ultimate power. And so I am thankful that God is in charge. You know, elections may go one way or another way, but in the end, Jesus is still Lord. Even when there's a political change, when one party grows in power and another party resists, or maybe when one state leans one way and another state leans another way, or maybe when there's freedom of the press as long as you think like they think, Jesus is still Lord. Lord. Even when there's financial uncertainty and the markets are like roller coasters and they go up and down, or, or when there's a pandemic that just won't go away and it causes people to suffer and it causes people to die and it causes other people to doubt, to doubt their leaders and even doubt their physicians. Even the fear of the pestilence is oftentimes greater than the plague itself. Even when things happen that don't make sense, Jesus is still Lord. And he's directing our footsteps, I believe. And I believe that he is working out his purpose in your life. Here's the point. God is in control. God is in control and he is working behind the scenes for your good And His glory. God is in control, hear me. And He is working behind the scenes for your good, your good and His glory. Even when you don't see it, He's working. Even when you don't feel it, He's working. He never stops working. He is a way maker, He is a miracle worker, He is a promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness and He reigns. Our God reigns. Amen. And God knows everything that's going to happen. He knows every attack. He knows every disappointment. He knows every unfair situation. But I believe that God is going to make things right. That's what he does. He takes those negative situations in your life, and he turns them around and he brings something good out of them. He turns it around. And oftentimes when we go through what we have gone through, we have to remind ourselves of that. We have to remind ourselves that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that he is still um, in uh, charge of this situation. He is still Uh, bigger than the problems we face. He is bigger than your sickness. He is bigger than your addiction. He is more powerful than the enemies that are coming against you. God is sovereign. He is sovereign over nature. He is sovereign over spiritual powers. He is sovereign over nations. He is sovereign over people. And God is sovereign over your circumstances. He's sovereign over it all. When you look at the word sovereign, you'll see that it has the word reign in it, R-E-I-G-N. God reigns. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He reigns. This is the message of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. It said, yours, Lord, is the greatness And the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. And you are exalted. You're exalted head over all. For wealth and honor come from you. And you are the ruler of all things. In your hands... And your hands are strength. And your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. God is the ruler of all things. He's big. He's bigger than any problem. But so many times, so many times we limit his abilities. So many times we talk ourselves out of the good things that God has for us. Could it be that there's some of you today that God is opening a door of opportunity in your life? But while God is opening a door of opportunity in your life, you're talking yourself out of it, saying, "Well, I don't know, I don't know," and you say, I, "I don't deserve this." I, I, I don't, and all these excuses you're giving, and every time you're doing that, it is like you are putting God in a box. You're limiting God. Here's the problem with that. Here's the point of it. If you have a small God, you will always have big problems. If you have a small God, you'll always have big problems. But if you have a big God, then your problems that you have, the problems you face, will become smaller. In the Old Testament, there's a story about three young men. Many people feel like they were teenagers. Three young men um, that <coughs> saw in this situation in Daniel chapter 3 how big their God really is. Because you see, they went through a tough time. They went through literally the fire. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They lived at a time and in a community in a culture where Uh, They were believers, but it was like everybody else were non-believers. The political air that they lived in and they breathed was really toxic in those days. There was a lot of contention going on. And it came to a head one day when Nebuchadnezzar, uh, their ruler, built this large gold statue. I mean, it was a big gold statue, like 90 feet tall tall and nine feet wide if you were to see that there on the plains of dura near babylon it would be like a rocket the size of a rocket going up into the sky and when nebuchadnezzar built that he said i want everybody to gather and i want them to bow down and worship this statue And so on that particular day, all the leaders and and all the uh, people in the empire gathered just outside of Babylon. uh, um, Scholars say that probably around 100,000 people or so were on the plains that day. And it was clear that when the band played, you were to bow down and worship the statue. So at the appointed time, the band played. Thousands of people all over bowed down and worshipped. In fact everybody did except 3. Except 3 young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood there silently while everybody else was flat on the ground. Everyone everyone around them just caved. They gave in to the peer pressure. But these young men, they held on to their convictions. They held on to what they knew was true in their Bible. They held on to the Ten Commandments. They understood that uh, the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is that you're to have no other gods. They held on to the second commandment of the Ten Commandments, that you're not to, uh, it prohibits making in the form of an image or an idol to worship. These young men knew their Bible And that's why on that day, they refused to bow down. Now, when the the king heard about this, he was furious. And he called them in and he threatened them. He said, but if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God? What God's going to be able to rescue you from my hand? Then King Nebuchadnezzar They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Verse 17, if we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's word. But notice verse 18, but even if he does not. Even if he does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, one of the problems that you and I have as we read this story in Daniel chapter 3 is this. We know how the story ends. And so, subconsciously, we read this story, and we see everything in light of a miraculous deliverance. But if you read it in that way, you'll miss some of the point. These three young men had no idea that God was about to deliver them. They hadn't received any advance warnings. They didn't have any special revelation. They didn't have an angel to come down and whisper in their ear, don't worry about it, God's going to set you free. Nothing like that happened. And so as they stood before the king, they knew that this may be their last day, that they may die here. Let me put it plainly. They didn't know what was about to happen, but they did know this. They did know that God was sovereign. They did know that God was in control. They knew that God could could save them. However, they didn't know if he would save them. Think about that. They knew that God could save them, but they didn't know if God would save them. But they made a decision to obey God regardless of the outcome. Here's the point. When God tells you to do something, when God tells you to do something, start doing it. Obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. When God tells you to do something, I want you to start doing it. Obedience, our, that's our responsibility. But the outcome is God's responsibility. These three young men were determined to obey God, even if it meant putting their lives at risk. In verse 13, we see that the king was so furious with them. They were so, he was so furious that they, they would not bow, so he was going to throw them in this blazing furnace. And he, in his anger, said, I want you to turn up the heat seven times hotter than you would normally have it. And then he ordered his strongest guards to take these young men and to bind them around their hands and around their feet and to throw them in this furnace. You know, it was so hot that when these guards tossed these young men into this blazing furnace that they were like cremated. On, uh, the guards were cremated on the spot. Now, also, you need to understand that these three young men, as they were being tossed into the fiery furnace, they were not expecting to be delivered. They saw the flames, and they expected that they were going to perish in the fire. Now, here's what we know. God, have, God could have kept them out of the fire. I mean, he's sovereign. God parted the Red Sea. God supernaturally provided their forefathers with food in the desert and water to drink. They knew that he had healed Miriam of leprosy. They knew that he could make the blinded eyes open or or the deaf ears unstopped. They knew that God had power. And the list goes on and on of what uh, God could do. It would be no problem for God to save these young guys. But here's what we understand now. God does not stop every negative situation from happening. In your life, some of you are sitting here right now. In your mind, you're going over the negative things that have happened to you even this week. God doesn't stop every negative situation. God doesn't deliver us from every fire. Sometimes, though, he will take us through the fire. You see, we would never know his sovereign power if we were never thrown into a fire. You would never know that God could heal you unless, first of all, you experience some type of sickness. You would never know that God could move mountains if you never had a great obstacle placed on you. You see, God doesn't always stop problems from coming your way. However, he will make a way for you. What am I saying to you? Have faith. Have faith. Because sometimes God will deliver you from the fire, but other times God will take you through the fire. Sometimes God will deliver you from the fire. You won't go into that fiery furnace, but at other times, God will take you through the fire. That's where we're called to have faith. That's where we're called to trust him. Now, there's two kinds of faith, at least two kinds of faith. There is a delivering faith, and then there's a sustaining faith. Now, delivering faith is when God helps you, uh, God keeps you from the fire, God keeps you from the adversity. But most of the time, we need sustaining faith. Sustaining faith is the kind of faith that takes us through the fire. It takes us through the storm. It takes us through the difficulty. These three Hebrew boys put their faith in God. They said, we know that our God will deliver us, but even if he does not. We're not going to bow down. The guards that day tied their hands and tied their feet with the cords and threw them in the fire, and it looked like this was the end of these young men. But hear me, these guards did not have the final say. If it is not your time to go, you're not going to go. If it is not your time to go, you're not going to go. Nothing can snatch you out of God's hands. I want to just talk to you very practically. Let's talk about COVID-19 for a minute. I believe as uh, citizens, we need to be responsible people. We need to be responsible people. We need to take all the precautions. I think we need to wear masks when masks are appropriate. I just think that's what we do when they're appropriate. I think we need to be aware of physical distance. Now, hear me on this. You are not too socially distant in any way, form, shape, or form. Now, hear me what I'm saying. I'm going against the culture here. You need to be physically distanced. You can keep your distance six feet. But if you are socially distanced and you are isolated, then you're going to have a bigger problem with depression and you're going to struggle through all that. We are made for community. And so just understand that physical distance, yes. Take precautions, yes. All of that, yes. But I want you to understand your life is in the hands of the Lord. I don't live in fear that I'm, I'm going to die of COVID-19. I don't live in fear of that, and you shouldn't either. I believe that my life is in the hands of the Lord. I could die tomorrow. I believe that if I died tomorrow, it was just my time. It was just my time And if it's not your time to go, you are not going to go. Okay? Okay, let me say this. If you die of COVID-19, let me say this. It's not the worst way to go. It's just not. My mother has wrestled with Alzheimer's for 10 years. In the last six months, she has lost one-third of her body weight. Now, she's happy, and we're pleased with that. My parents celebrated 63 years of marriage this past week, and we were together with them on Tuesday to mark that milestone when I look into my mother's eyes and I see her failing body, I am reminded that COVID-19 is not the worst way to go. Alzheimer's is much worse to do this month after month after month. And so we get so worked up because we're inundated with all the news that are coming. And it's to the point where All logic just leaves our brain. That we can hyper focus on one thing and we can't see anything else. Here's what I want you to hyper focus on that God is sovereign. I want you to focus on that God is in control. And yes, we live in a a tough world. We live in a broken world, and we have a broken system. But I am telling you, I am putting my trust in the name of the Lord and that he is going to get me through the fire. Now, these guards tied cords around the, uh, the hands and the feet of these young men, and they threw them into the fire. And it looked like it was over. But these guards did not have the last say. And after a while, the king came over to check on them. And when he looked through the furnace window, he was puzzled. He said, weren't three men Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men. Four men walking around in the fire. Four men walking around, notice this, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth man looks like the son of the gods. They were in the fire and they were unbound and they were unharmed because there was a fourth man in the fire. Now, theologians would call this a theophany. A theophany is when there's a visible manifestation of God. So we see in this story, there's a physical manifestation of God. There's the fourth man in the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar that day had a front row view of the fourth man. Some of you are wrestling today. You're going through the fire. You're going through the difficulty. And the problems uh, you're struggling with seem insurmountable. And you don't know how it's going to work out. But let me say this. The good news is you're not in there alone. There's a fourth man in your fire. There's a fourth man in there. And it's the God who controls the fire. The fourth man is with you that he is not going to leave you when you go through the tough times. He's not going to leave you when you go through the struggle. He is not going to leave you when you go through the fire. The only thing that burned off that day in that fire were the cords that were holding these young men back. Think about that. The only thing that burned off were the cords that were holding them back. The God we serve knows how to burn off the limitations that, is hold, that are holding you back. Some of you feel bound and you feel tied up that you'll never make any progress. I am telling you, you're in the fire and the only thing that's going to burn off is those limitations that are holding you back. The sickness may look like it's the end, but when God says live, you're going to live and not die. The addiction may seem permanent and you may think you'll never break it, but let me say the addiction is not how your story is going to end because the fourth man is going to Show up. The fourth man's gonna show up in the fire, in your fire, and you are going to be set free. And what I love about it, that these guys were in the fire and they came out of it with the out, out, even the smell of smoke on them. Listen to, said, The King Nebuchadnezzar saw that these men, these teenagers were still alive and he couldn't believe it. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Notice verse 27, I love this. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I love that verse. No smell of fire. This tells me that God is in control of the fire. He is in control of the blazing furnace, and he is sovereign. Your enemies do not have the final say. God does. You may feel like you're in the fire right now. And you may feel like you're all alone, but I want you to open your eyes and I want you to see that God is working behind the scenes. He's working there. He is making a way that this problem you're faced with, it is not permanent, but this problem is temporary. You are coming out of the fire. You are coming out of your depression. You're coming out of this addiction. You're coming out of the struggle. I believe that the tide, yes, the tide is turning and you are coming. Coming out not in your own power, but you're coming out in the power of the name of Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. And when this happens, your family and your friends and even your enemies will see the favor of God on your life. You are going to be a living testimony of God's power. You see, when the Nebuchadnezzar saw uh, those three men still alive, he couldn't believe it. He said, verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. God sent an angel and rescued them, even though they went through the fire. Here's the point. Sometimes God will allow you to go through the fire just so other people can see his mighty hand on your life. Sometimes God will allow you to go through the fire just so other people can see God's mighty hand on your life. When people see God do the unexplainable in your life, they're going to take notice. When people see, uh, see you break that addiction, when they see you get out of debt, when they see you reach a new standard, when they see you accomplish those dreams that you never thought you could accomplish, they will not be able to deny the blessings of God, the hand of God on your life. When these guys came out of the furnace people never looked at them the same way. They had a new influence. They had a new respect. And they were promoted to a new level. I believe that God can use that difficulty that you are enduring to establish you and to give you credibility to take you to a new level. I realize that it may be tough. I realize it may be hard, but I want you to put your faith in the Lord. And I know you may be in pain, but hear the word of the Lord in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 18. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And some of you said, yeah, that's my life. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The promise is that God's gonna bring you out. Not just some of them, but God is going to bring you out of all of them. I want you to understand that this problem you're wrestling with It did not come to stay, but it came to pass. And we believe that this sickness is not the end, that this trouble is not permanent, that this slowdown at work is just a season, that God is in the process of bringing you out. God is in the process of setting you free because there is a fourth man in your fire. I really feel like this message is for some of you today. I sense that God wants to do something that is unexplainable in your life. Something that, that people will scratch their heads and wonder how did that happen? Because God wants to set you free not only to make your life better, but God wants to set you free so that you can be a witness to those people at work, so that you can be a witness to those people in your home and in your family. And when they look at you and they see what God has done, it will draw them uh, to this power. It will draw them to the Lord, and you, God is going to use you to be a light in the darkness. But for that to happen, he wants to set you free first. He wants to open the door so that you can come through the fire and come out of it. And today I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe that this message is going to be more than a history lesson for you. But this is going to be a turning point. That this is going to be a divine encounter. That this is going to be a time when the Spirit of God touches you right where you are. And you say, Marty, I don't deserve that. I haven't earned that. None of us have. I just want you to be open to receive what God has for you. Some of you have never been saved. Today is your day to say, Jesus, save me, cleanse me, forgive me of my sins. He's here to give you that power. There's others of you that you've been bound. I want you to see that God is here to, to set you free and to take you. God promoted those three young men. That's what the Bible says. He promoted them. I am praying that God is going to promote you. Let's stand together and we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe the Lord today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. I pray over our South Augusta campus. I pray that your presence would be strong Father, I pray first of all for those that have never made a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you're watching online and that's you. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, forgive me of my sins. Say this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you'd have me to be. Save me today. Save me today. Father, as they pray that prayer, I ask that you would do the work, the miracle of grace and salvation. Now, I pray for those people right here that you are in the fire right now. And you're in a very painful, you're in a very difficult place. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, your fourth man, that fourth man, your presence would be so strong that as we walk through the fire, that we'll not be burned, we'll not be scorched, we're not even the smell of smoke. Father, not only do I pray for this congregation here and in South Augusta, but I pray for our community. I pray, God, that you would move in this place and that people would come to faith in Jesus' name. God, I pray not only for our community, but I pray for our nation. I pray for the United States of America. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring a revival like we've never seen before. I pray, Father, that you would allow righteousness to prevail. And if where there's darkness, I ask God that you would expose the darkness. I pray in the name of Jesus, where there's evil, I ask that you would pull down the evil in the name of Jesus. We speak of faith and we speak the power of jesus over america god you said we're two shall agree touching one thing today we as a congregation we're pleading the blood of jesus over our nation come holy spirit come and bring righteousness and bring peace and bring joy come holy spirit and move upon us today Now, Lord, we receive what you have for us. I want you to say that. Say, Jesus, I receive what you have for me. Say that. I receive what you have for me. I accept your power in my life. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you today. Amen. Amen. if you know of anybody that needs this message don't you just send them a text and say I need you to be at the creek at noon today or be watching online at noon today or maybe share this as we post it later on in the week I really feel like that this is a message uh, for us as individuals and as a church but my goodness it's a message for America we're going through the fire and we if we're going to get through it it's going to take the fourth man It's going to take a power from the Lord. And I am telling you, I am praying that righteousness would prevail. And if anything of the darkness, we're going to push back the darkness and let God be God and let righteousness prevail and let peace come. We need the peace of the Lord. I'm about to preach the message number two. Y'all be blessed. I'll see you next week. (laughs)